Well, I feel like asking everybody to spread out again. I'm not so used to preaching with everyone so close. Stay there, Kenny. <laughs> All right, our text today will be from um, 1 Timothy, and that's 1 Timothy, verses 12 through 15. However, I am going to read... To give it even more context, I'm going to read all the way through verse 17. Let's go to the Word of God. Father, as we come before you today, we thank you that you have, um, in your church, that this day has been set aside for us to celebrate the incarnation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, for us to celebrate the coming into the world of our promised Redeemer that was promised from the fall. That is here, that, that, that has come to us and who has rescued us, Lord, and now sits at your right hand. We pray, Lord, that as we go through your text today, that we would know more and more about your son's mighty work in redemptive history and for the blessings poured out upon each and every one of us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. First Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. I thank him who has given me strength, Jesus Christ, our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent. I received mercy because I I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with faith and the love that are in Jesus Christ. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me the foremost, Jesus Christ, might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, here we are, another year, another Christmas Eve, that day, the eve of that most important day, one of the most important days on the Christian calendar, the day that the church has traditionally set aside for us to remember and to celebrate the birth of Christ. Many of us, um, as well as myself, have already attended or will be attending numerous gatherings uh, over this time with co-workers and friends and families. And most of those gatherings will have many hallmarks of a great celebration. There will be plenty of delicious food to share. Plenty of our diets will be suspended over the next few days. Our homes will be adorned with beautiful decorations and lights. Gifts will be exchanged. Merriment will be made over songs and and drink. However, this is my 50th Christmas. I don't remember those first few years, but for the ones I can remember... And reflecting on those times and all those get-togethers over the years, I can't help but admit that I often felt a sense of frustration, a sense of guilt, maybe even a sense of shame, that where my focus, that my focus had been leading up during and just after December 25th. Being honest with myself, although I knew the reason of this, for the season was to remember and celebrate the coming into the world of, our, of the Son of God, More often than not, those things were completely absent from my mind. 
When I was younger, my attention was most focused on what gifts I would be getting, how much. Now that I'm older, I'm completely distracted by the debt that I incurred in buying all the gifts, worrying about whether those gifts will be received well, going out to get-togethers, worrying about what's going to be served for dinner, who was cooking it. This year, were they going to switch from that chicken and sausage gumbo and do the seafood gumbo again? Maybe I should just go to Cane's before I, I drive there. Many times it seemed lately that my main mission during Christmas was just to make appearances and to find a way to get home quickly. And as a result of my irreverence over the years, I've opened up, woke up on December 26 with a sense of shame. Shame for my failure to focus on Christ at such a time. Failure to keep on the far front of my mind the gift of grace that I had received from God the Father through the Son and by the Holy Spirit. Failure to offer to God his proper and due worship. I hope today that I'm not too making big of a leap or making too big of an assumption that many of us here have felt the same way. Many have known such frustration. And while it's easy to blame secular culture or consumerism and materialism for distracting us for the real reason for our celebration, we do need to acknowledge that those things do play a role in causing us to stumble. However, I tend to think they are more of a symptom than a cause. No, the cause for our failure is something that hits far closer to home. The cause for our failure lies at the doorstep of the church because we all too often forget and misunderstand the reason for our celebration to begin with. Now, some of you may be thinking that I'm going a bit too far here with such a statement, but I want you to consider this. A recent Barna survey in 2022 conducted among self-described Christians. 77% of self-described Christians agreed with the following statement, that people are basically good. Well, then that begs the question, if we're basically good, why did we need a Savior? You see, the church has failed to teach the proper doctrine of sin. You see, we often lose sight of our reason for celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because we lose sight of who he was, what he actually came to do, and what he actually accomplished. We lose sight of how good the news really is in the face of who we are before a holy God. And when we stumble in such ways, our inherent tendency is to look at our own worthiness, As John Calvin writes, our mind is always impelled to look at our own worthiness. And as soon as our unworthiness is seen, our confidence sinks. Have you ever felt that way during Christmas? And this happens repeatedly. We keep turning to ourselves, and when we're honest, we find ourselves helpless. In our guilt, we come to realize that even on such an important day as Christmas Day, we fail to honor God as we should. Here in today's passage, we have the Apostle Paul towards the end of his ministry, writing to the young pastor Timothy, reflecting on his ministerial journey, reflecting that despite his sinful past, reminding himself, as well as Timothy, of the riches of Christ's grace and mercy, reminding us, loved ones, of why we have reason to celebrate the coming into the world of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, we see in verses 12 through 14, the apostle offering up his thanks to our Lord that he had been found faithful and thus appointed to the service of spreading the good news. 
However, he makes it very clear that such faithfulness was not something that he could boast in. Paul calls close attention to his past, reminding the reader that he was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an incidental opponent to the church of Christ. Those of us familiar with the book of Acts know that we find in chapter 22 that it was Paul when the first martyr, um, Stephen, was, was stoned to death. Paul was there amongst the crowd. He was egging them on. He was holding the coats for them. He had participated in the murder of Stephen. He was on a mission to have anyone who proclaimed Christ beaten and thrown in prison. Yet the apostle reminds us that he received mercy because he had acted ignorantly in unbelief and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with faith and love that are in Jesus Christ. Then come, Paul comes to that, the key passage today that we want to focus on, verse 15, saying, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. First thing that Paul does here is he calls attention to the fact that Jesus Christ in history did in fact come into the world. Well, that begs the question, where did he come from? Well, John tells us in, first, in, in John 1, uh, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. As one writer put it, before he came into the world, indeed, before the world had even come to be, Christ existed as a divine person, and at that, as a divine person communing with and also distinct from God the Father and from God the Spirit. Oh, and by the way, John reminds us that everything that is, he created. The world and everything in it. And after reminding us us of who he was and from where he came, the apostle gives us the really, really good news. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. He came to save sinners like you. He came to save sinners like me. Sinners who even on Christmas Day mostly can only focus on things that have little or nothing to do with the incarnation of the Lord of glory. Paul finishes his verse by by making sure that just in case we may be wrestling with the idea that we are beyond redemption, that we're too much of a hopeless sinner to be saved, he points to himself, reminding us that he was the chief of sinner, a persecutor of God's church. You see, the cause for our celebration does not come from the arrival of some great moral teaching, moral teacher. It does not come from the arrival of someone who would set an example for us on how we're to live our best life now or to tell us that it's important that we love our neighbor. There are, pretty, there, there are many false religions in this world today that hold to that same idea and teach those same principles. No, Christ came to save us. As R.C. Sproul famously put it, Save us from what? Well, to save us from the holy wrath of God against our sin. To save us from eternal destruction. Paul again writing in Romans 5 verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so that spread to all men because all sinned. And make no mistake about it. Our God is a just God. And in his justice, he cannot let sin go unpunished. He will by no means clear the guilty. 
Sin deserves wrath, and wrath it will get. Well, that wrath was poured out. It was poured out 2,000 years ago on a dark Friday afternoon. It was poured out on the incarnate Son of God whose birth we are celebrating celebrating and singing about today. The second Adam who came into the world and succeeded where the first Adam had failed. Who lived that life of perfect obedience to God's law that we ourselves could have never lived. Who went blameless to the cross and bared the unmitigated wrath of God in our place. Crying out at the end, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And declaring with his last breath, it is finished. When he said that, he really meant it. Dying on that Roman cross, being buried in a tomb, and rising again on the third day. Not only did Christ bear the wrath of God in our place, but he has imputed that perfect righteousness that he earned to us. Philippians 3, verses 8 and 9. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness of God, the the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Today in pondering such a revealed truth, Those of us who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ may be wondering as well as I have at times. Well, if Christ bore the wrath of God in my place, if he has clothed me in his perfect righteousness through faith, what is now left for me to do? How can I stand blameless before a holy God and be allowed into his presence? Loved ones, I tell you today the answer to that question lies in the best news that a sinner could ever hear. So news so great that when pondered in its fullness, it can drive us to our knees to praise and worship the one true and living God. News so great that it changes us into a new creation. The answer to such a question is that there is nothing else required of us. As Paul states in verse 15, Christ came to save sinners. And if you trust in Jesus Christ, save you, he has. Romans chapter 3, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. Through the redemption that in Jesus Christ, who God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith, this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he passed over uh, former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. We can rest today, Lord. You can rest today. Knowing that Jesus Christ, the incarnate God of God, did not just come into the world to leave the door open for you to save yourself. He did not just provide a way. You see, through a faith that is not even your own, a faith that is giving to you, By his spirit, he has rescued you from the power of sin and death. He has adopted you into his family. And at the end of this fading evil age, when he comes again to judge the living and the dead, he will wipe away every teardrop from your eyes. There will be no more sickness, no more war, no more corruption, no more death. And you will be with him forever in the new heavens and the new earth. That is why we are gathered here today to worship him.
and to sing of his coming into the world. That is why we celebrate his birth. And that is why we have true and assured hope in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have been rescued and made new. Not because of those things we've done or may do or may be able to do in some future time. Because, but because of what Christ has already done. So when we go forth and we celebrate today, you know, here's the application of the part of the sermon. And we feel we're falling short in any of those times. We feel we're falling short and we start to look at ourselves. And we find ourselves, blame, uh, we fi- finds ourselves full of blame. Don't look within yourself. That's not the answer. Look to what Christ has accomplished. And I have news for you. Start doing that, and you'll find yourself able to worship and honor him fully, even during the Christmas season. Amen. <laughs> Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have um, given us your word, that we know that it is reliable and true, and we pray that we would rest in it. And we pray, Lord, that, that throughout this, these next couple of days, that we would look to Christ and not look to ourselves, knowing he is our only comfort in life and in death. Amen.